2: I'm Samuel Mann. I'm at Otago Polytechnic, and I am with Mike Mullins from our.
3: Is it called School of
2: Engineering? Something like that.
3: Yeah, something like that. It's uh, civil. uh, I don't know. We keep changing the name, but School of Engineering is sufficient at this point in time. Yes. yeah. Yeah. So, how was
2: your bubble life,
3: Mike? Yeah, it's very strange, um, as everybody else's was as well. Um, I'm a lecturer here at the Polytechnic teaching uh, students. So the first half of the year um, and the second half of the year has uh, impacted those students and myself and colleagues significantly. Um, yeah, it's been a challenging year, as uh, I guess the word challenging is for everybody at the moment, um, coming into the Christmas period.
2: So were you teaching online?
3: Yeah, we started, um, let's see, go back to to January last year. Funny enough, I'd come back in December from China. So I'd been teaching in China prior to coming back to teaching here in New Zealand. I was unaware of uh, COVID until it kind of broke in January, February, watching the news. I wasn't aware of it in China uh, in in any way. Um, So that's quite interesting to get back and hear how my students in China were being affected, and their families. We also have a cohort of um, students that come over to uh, continue their education at the Polytechnic here uh, from Dalian University and they were being impacted too. My local students obviously um, were significantly impacted in the first semester as we were given about two weeks before being told to go online and get all our course materials ready. Um, That very sudden, short, sharp um, break uh, between here and going online uh, left a a big hole in a lot of cases for us to get things ready and and prepare ourselves.
2: I imagine that engineering, applied engineering, is what it says on the tin. It's quite applied. It's it's hands-on.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was one of the big issues for us. We do a lot of labs and we do a lot of projects, so we had to readjust and, and shelf some of those. Um, we had to get materials available for students. Uh, we were trying to see how um, we could maybe continue with those projects at a later date. At that point, everything was up in the air. No one really had a timeline or a time frame that they could commit to. Um, It was very much living by the seat of your pants, basically. It's the same for everybody else as we reacted to the news from the government uh, and to close downs.
2: But the students all got through?
3: They did, yep, they did uh, get through. Uh, There was a couple of failures there. Uh, Most of the students, I think, a bit like a deer in headlights, were kind of shocked too. Um, The inability to move locked a lot of them down to Dunedin, so that meant they were uh, in there flats with other students and um, gave them some time, I guess, to focus on the work and and, and get it done. Um, They weren't able to go outside and do other activities, so that was one of the main pluses, if there's any pluses out of this at all. that kept them online.
2: Did you move the labs to being virtual, or did you have to sort of push out some of those experiential things until we were able to come back to class.
3: A bit of both, Sam. We were able to do some labs online and uh, others we, uh, we held off till we came back. Um, we, let's see. We came back around May time, May June where we were able to kind of complete tests and get some um, labs completed. We were very fortunate in the position that um, from June onwards, we were face-to-face with students again. So second semester, although it ran to a normal semester timetable, we were short of a couple of weeks. But the um, the impact on students could still be felt in the classroom from COVID as we uh, watch what was going on in New Zealand and around the world.
2: What do you think we learnt from that experience in terms of our our teaching? Not necessarily the you know that that we could put it on online. Do you think it taught us anything about how we teach?
3: I think it did. I think we're still very much in. Um, The phase that we need to sit back and reflect on on what we achieved during that time. And and it would be a good time now for most lecturers to to sit down and discuss some of those issues that we had during the COVID-19 first semester and also the second semester. I think we've learnt a lot. We've learnt about resilience. We've learnt about um, coming together as a team. We've learnt that we can operate under very difficult circumstances. And I think that's a plus factor. I think the students have learnt a lot too in the sense that they were um, they put a lot of effort in and and they continued their learning. Uh, When we look at around the world and other educational institutes, I've heard um, some horrendous stories where uh, locations like Monash University where a student's just been there for one day due to the lockdowns and severity of the lockdowns going on in Australia and around the world. Whether that continues into next year, we, we're, we don't know at this point in time.
2: Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Supertramp give a little bit. Why this one?
3: Um, I think this song for me uh, resonates very closely to, to being prepared to give a bit of yourself in whatever situation you're in. And, and it calls on you to, to be the person that most of us want to be, uh, a giving person, a caring person, and a sharing person.
2: This is quite an unusual year for you Mike in that you've actually been in the country for almost the whole year.
3: Yeah it is uh, um, as I said last year I'd been in China and the previous years I've been in China, uh, I've been in South Africa and travelled to to the islands to work in Vanuatu and Fiji. So this is uh, my lockdown year um, and my wife's quite enjoying it uh, that I'm here and not travelling and it's good for me to to uh, to be around the kids and family, and to realise that every time I do go away, it takes a bit away from them too. So I'm learning um, to enjoy their company and to be a family together for Christmas, which will be nice.
2: Yeah. So it's not just teaching in China. You go overseas several times a year, usually to different developing states.
3: Yeah, I've,
2: students in tow.
3: Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, um, Uh, Last two years, uh, 2017, 2018, we've been over to the islands to work on civil engineering camps over there, uh, where we work with communities in remote locations, uh, working on WASH programs, which is water and sanitation and health, and we focus on how we can help those communities. Um, Every time we go, um, it seems to get a little bit bigger. Uh, There's more requests that come through, there's more needs. And um, we raise the funds here in New Zealand, it's all voluntary uh, and we pay our own way and we try to do whatever we can within a a two week time frame, 14 days with the students and with staff. This is something
2: that you've done for a long time, is is this kind of
3: international
2: development and mixing it in with some learning.
3: Yeah, this part becoming part of my DNA, I guess. Um, it's something I've done for the last 20 years plus uh, and I've been fortunate to to go to some uh, fantastic places and meet some, some incredible people. Uh, and and uh, every time I've gone, I've come back with a different experience and a different focus. So it's been very beneficial for myself but also to meet the people um, and become friends. It's not a matter of just going there on holiday and walking away a lot of these become lifetime associations and and, uh, uh, relationships and friendships that continue.
2: How do you stop it just being a holiday?
3: I think that's a good question. What is a holiday and what's these trips involved? A holiday for me is where I do very little and uh, (laughs) I sit and read a book. and these trips are more about uh, what I can do for other people and, and how we can participate, how we can work together. A lot of times these trips involve quite uh, difficult circumstances. Uh, they're living in quite challenging circumstances as well. But these people live in this these villages and these remote locations. Um, and, and we go there to learn. Um, we go there to participate. We go there uh, as friends. Um, not to judge uh, and and not to impose. And I think taking away all the knowledge that um, from the locations that we go and bring it back, it makes for a better world for for me, for my students, uh, for the people around me. And um, once again, there's always challenges and, and being able to be resilient and to be able to see things from a different lens helps.
2: Do we know what the students that you take, what they get from it? What's the impact
3: on them? Yeah, it varies. Um, some students have never been overseas before. In some cases, uh, when we take them to these uh, locations, it's the first trip. First trip to an island without electricity, first trip to an island without water, um, first trip to, to a remote village. Um, so the impact obviously has uh, been quite deep on a lot of these students and continues to resonate in their lives a lot of them um, are challenged when they get there a lot of them, some of them get sick um, some uh, uh, at the end of the trip I don't think we ever have anybody saying I don't want to go back we have a few that have been challenged to the call and others say yeah can you take me back next year so the impact varies, uh, and as we go forward and, and look at some of the uh, possible research into these uh, trips that we've been doing, we're starting to get uh, some insight in how, to I- how it impacts students. And not only impacts students, but in- impacts the villages and the communities we work in.
2: What's the measure of success for you in terms of the students? We'll come to the villages in a, in a bit. I imagine some people might decide this is how I'm going to do civil engineering I'm going to move to Tanzania and that's what I'm going to do but I also imagine that's not very many of them actually do that so for the rest of them what's the benefit
3: yeah I think it's very much about realizing as you say outside their own bubble when they come back to New Zealand that this cultural uh, exchange that they have continues with them Um, it opens up their eyes to areas of the world that they may have only seen through videos or tv where it's it's sanitized it's not real and you can switch it off but having been to the islands and having been there it it is real it's tangible it's something that's palatable that they can they can taste and, and they've experienced and sometimes that experience is quite difficult because it's not something they can share deeply with others, only maybe the people who have been there, and um, that gives them the opportunity to look at maybe going back into the field, maybe going back to locations that they would never have gone to, Um, um, giving them the opportunities to travel to places rather than Australia or or America, to travel to the South Pacific, Uh, and also to integrate into the communities that are already here to support the Vanuatans that are here in New Zealand or the the Fijians or, or the South Pacific community and become part of that community too.
2: We'd like to think that they're not just changed in that when they become civil engineers in this case, they're going to save up their pennies and go and do this kind of work in their holidays but also that it might change them in terms of their professional ad- identity, their outlook, how they work as civil engineers, how they work as professionals and people. Do you see a change
3: in them? Yeah, we, we do. It's quite... A, um, as all professions, you you have a, a code or a code of ethics and, and that's, that drives you. Um, and also, it gives you a standard or, or a level to aim for. And as we start to take the students on some of these journeys, they begin to see that that part of their life is also um, entwined with their professional life, in the sense that um, as they go forward, It's not just a matter of focusing on on their daily job, but it becomes more holistic. It's how they can approach things differently, how they can help other people, how they can look at involving other projects um, through their companies, um, through their colleagues, and and through their friends um, involved in community development. So it becomes an overall approach to community development rather than just a one-off, drop the money in the tin and walk away.
2: That approach, that partnership approach, is probably something which would stand them in good stead for ordinary civil engineering type work, to know that they're not just going in and going to this, this suburb or this town and designing or building, or whatever it is, and then getting out again. It is actually about working with the people there, and it's they've experienced that big time when the need is so great, but it also applies to their normal work.
3: Yeah, it does. This is part of that team-building exercise that we, we constantly are on about and how we, we build character into people and how we build um, resilience. And and part of this these trips are, really challenge those uh, parts of the characteristics, leadership characteristics that we're looking for in, in our civil engineers and professions today. Um, they are put in under quite difficult circumstances and dire circumstances in some cases not life threatening in most cases but certainly on, on the cusp of it with some of the stuff that we've done um, so I think you know that's part of their all overall leadership skills that they're building and, and bring back into the professional skills that they have here in New Zealand they look outside the box, they're able to think um, outside the box and, and solve problems differently
2: I imagine that you work really hard to plan these trips, but I also imagine that the things that the the people that go on them will report as being the, the biggest moments of learning are the bits that are unplanned.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, sometimes it's the little things, uh, the devil in the detail, I guess. Sometimes the little things uh, they take away are more important. Well, not more important, are, are part of that fabric that they take away. And it can be something as simple as sitting down playing with the kids uh, and and having fun with them swimming in the ocean or having a bath with them in the ocean or playing with the pigs or being scared by a rat in the toilet. It can be any one of those things that will live with them and and is a a video memory for them to relate to other people. So they're the important parts too. The food that we taste, um, the smells, the flowers, the... Uh, the rainy days, um, the volcanoes going off around us, all those uh, are the little things that they take away, and, and, and the pictures obviously that they take, and the stories. Bubble sprite of the forest of Arakanui, Dinitan's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
1: Kia ora koutou, na kia koutou ko you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes, and I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's perfect, unique, and here making thank you. So beautiful and amazing people, as we know, been on this very fascinating journey together this year many highs many lows multiple learning opportunities constantly as all life is and as we have been co-evolving through multiple levels of lockdown restrictions and changes to our lives on the day-to-day both internally and externally we have been growing and changing And of course, for me, it's been such a pleasure and great privilege to have five minutes each day with you all. It's helped me so much. And it's something I think everybody should do if we can all give five minutes each day to reframing, recalibrating, reorganizing, re-understanding our lives and our day into a creative gift, creative expression, to attempt to help ourselves and those around us. Then I really recommend it's helped me so much so as we know we are heading towards the end of 2020 and off into 2021 and we find ourselves very fortunately in a state of great freedom and i hope for some of us repose i have a rare day off where i'm not teaching at beautiful hearts home orokanui eco sanctuary so i have multiple meetings and other things that i need to do but to have just a slight shift in my routine where I don't have hundreds of beautiful small people arriving to interact with me at a certain time at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary this morning. It's a great release and a great shift in terms of my energy levels for me today. So I really hope for you, when you do have the opportunity to do things slightly differently for yourself, that you can find a sense of rest and repose and release in these rare moments at this time of year. And for me, that means I have a bit more time to engage with all my loved ones at the Mansion Power and Hastings, the beautiful cats. Stunning mahuika and Kornui from Heihei HQ. Clucky mama Maya, seven potentially fertile eggs. The three sisters who have not become clucky. Countess Fiorosikoff, Lady Yardley and Miss Limon. See how they're all doing in the new hen closure. And also to have a bit of time reorganising the myriad treasures that surround me here, I will need to go and visit Akindi and help with their Pekka Pika bird feeder and reorganize my Mitre 10 order for Pika bird feeders. Having had an event there last night, painting multiple beautiful faces and making bird feeders with wire and gorgeous pom poms and pipe cleaners and wire and apple. So I hope that for you, as we head into 2021, things have shifted for you in a helpful way. I'm having a meeting today about the New Zealand International Science Festival, which had to be rebranded as a nano Festivals year. And we still held events, but not to the same large scale. And I suspect in this meeting, the festival director will want to do very large scale events for next year, we shall see what unfolds. But I feel that going into 2021, I have an increased awareness of the best ways to pace and support myself in terms of my energy level. And I'll be thinking about ways that I can still deliver spectacular, brilliant, fascinating, wonderful, inspiring events, but in a way that is sustainable and really helps me to maintain a healthy level of energy and engagement for myself. So I hope that for you, you have a really great day. I hope. Whatever's happening around you and wherever you are, you have a sense of all you are capable of and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kei kiti.
2: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Mike Mullins from Otago Polytechnic. We're talking about Mike's work in international service learning and the relationship of that to community development. That relationship has been tested this year because you haven't been travelling
3: Yes, that's, uh, that's been the case. This year, COVID has uh, restricted us in what we can do and where we can go. Um, so this is a, a new, new era for us, or a, a new um, environment that's uh, been quite challenging in many, many ways. Um, the lack of uh, travel has obviously meant that we're unable to get to the islands, and that has impacted the islands significantly, not only... Um, Financially, as you're well aware. Uh, when we go to the islands, we, we bring in probably about $10,000 plus uh, into these small communities, which is probably a year's wages for the whole community. So it's a significant amount of money. Not only that, but also our connections with the community too, um, and able to, to see and talk to the people and, and just be with the people that we've been building up friendships with. That's. has been quite tough this year. Um, we they don't have access to the internet, um, so we can't connect through uh, internet, and it's very expensive for them too. We can phone call, make phone calls, uh, but they're limited as well. So keeping track of what's going on um, has been quite difficult. We've been well aware that there's a couple of hurricanes that have gone through, and uh, we've tried to support them the best we can with food and uh shelter and accommodation to help them recover
2: so i know the answer to this because i you don't know the answer (laughs) so how do we do international service learning in a time of disruption at the moment it's COVID, but it might be something else
3: yeah, um, the way we do international is, is we have quite a few... Uh, we have a large contingent of South Pacific uh, islanders and people from the islands living and working as in New Zealand who are now New Zealanders. So that connection is extremely important. And, and, and uh, um, working through that community aspect for the South Pacific, uh, for Fiji and Vanuatu, has been part of that... Um, long-term uh, exposure to community development this year so we've kept our connections through the community and the, uh, our friends here in New Zealand and continue to work the best we can in any way that we can support the communities overseas.
2: So are you planning to do more trips because it must be really frustrating thinking oh, I can get there this year no we can't do that. Mm. At what point do you say, let's just wait for five years? Or is that just too long to even think about?
3: It's too long to think about. I think uh, as COVID has obviously um, impacted everybody this year and, and the ability to travel, inability to travel has been on everybody's uh, list, we can still start to prepare to go uh, in, in the anticipation that as soon as the travel restrictions have been lifted, we will um, make maximum effort to get out there so the planning and the logistics and and the future trips are in preparation mode at this point in time Uh, although we're on hold but as soon as that travel ban is lifted then we're ready to go and and from what we're hearing in the general media we're probably looking at 6 to 8 months, 12 months before we can do that
2: it's going to be challenging for those small island states, or somebody described them large ocean states, mm. given that they've... Are they going to get... Uh, let's hope they get vaccinated, because we know what happened with the measles last year.
3: Yep. Yeah, so the, the vaccination process that's obviously started in the UK today... Um, we're hoping proliferates around the world as, as quickly as it can. And, and within 12 months, they have the vaccine for everybody. So that's what we're looking at or anticipating at this point in time. So I don't think there's a new norm. I don't think we'll go back to the normal way of doing things. Um, this has created chasms. It's created... Uh, real problems that need to be resolved how do we deal with community development from a distance Uh, how do we impact and continue to support the South Pacific communities Covid has been one instance of a pandemic but who can say that another pandemic won't happen next year so we need to start to look at it from a different perspective in a different focus and and through a different lens of what we can do um, going forward to ensure that we can support the South Pacific if another pandemic happens. What do we need to put in place now, Um, which is our window of opportunity to ensure that we can support them long term.
2: And of course, it might not be another pandemic. It might be something else that we hadn't thought of.
3: Exactly. It could be, yeah. And, and I think it's, it's given us a very short period of time to think about this and to respond. And we need to respond as a, as a, uh, a nation, as an international community, and, and individually to this as well. We've seen lots
2: of changes in society over the last few months, year, what do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick?
3: I think one of the big things that's come out of this for me is resilience. People have been very resilient. They've been able to change quickly. They've been able to adapt. Um, particularly here in New Zealand, the way the government has responded has been uh, incredible. Um, and you know, looking at other nations' um, slower responses has indicated that, as a as a nation, New Zealand has something unique. And we can use that uniqueness and resilience to to go forward and to to aid and help other um, island nations and other other nations in in the long term.
2: Why do you think the government's messaging "be kind," team of five million? Why have they worked so
3: well? New Zealand is a as a a small nation has been, been able to respond quite quickly. It's always punched above its weight and continues to do in the international community. We're recognised as a, as a unique location for uh, controlling COVID compared to the rest of the world. And um, it seems our actions are and our responses are quick with the government lockdown a matter of uh, three or four days um, helped us to get to a point where we could control the virus but overall we work as a community i think that's the one plus factor for new zealand we come together as a nation we come together as a group and and we're focused on helping each other And, and i think that's a really good response
2: I wonder if we could imagine a variation on both Be Kind" and the team of 5 million to encompass the, the Pacific.
3: Yeah, that, that's, that's, I think that's a real way to go. I think New Zealand can lead and show leadership. Um, the Pacific Islanders are part of our fabric, part of our family and we need to respond to that in the correct way. So, as you said earlier, that transmitting of the possible COVID to the, to the islands needs to be at the top of the list that we do not do that. And how we approach that and how we discuss it with the islands of a, a, a travel um, opening up is extremely important, I think. Yeah.
2: But not just for us to go on holiday
3: not to go on holiday, no, no. And that should be um, one of the focuses.
2: They do have tourism businesses that
3: need to be opened up and um, we need to maybe look at how we can do that in a a fashion that is not going to impact the islands from a COVID uh, perspective.
2: I wonder if, like us, they'll be rethinking what tourism means that... Is it is it just a, a bums on seats, heads on pillows, or whatever the saying is for, for for tourism? It's not just about numbers. It's actually about some sort of slow tourism, and and, and maybe that's the development angle. It's actually about going and spending a, a a month or two and doing some some community work while you're there.
3: Yeah, I think this has turned the whole tourism industry on its head, and we've seen airlines collapse. We've seen the impact of lack of people travelling. I think just because 2021 is coming around now, I don't think tourism um, will be changed. Tourism and the way people travel will change dramatically from, from COVID's perspective. We saw 60 plus cruise ships in Dunedin last year. I don't think we're, we're going to go back to that sort of uh, travel um, you know, within the Dunedin sector and with New Zealand in in general
2: What lessons do you think we can take from how we've responded to the pandemic or the bigger sorts of questions that we face like climate change or social inequity or underdevelopment of whole regions of the globe is there something that that we can say that approach we took to that, that that would scale up
3: Yeah, I think we've seen how the government have reacted to COVID and that's been really uh, incredible. And with the same focus, if they can start to focus on things that are social inequity, um, and we're talking about housing and the homeless at the moment, and we're coming into the Christmas period where that focus is once again on um, equity and families and supporting one another. I think we need to take that approach um, as a community and New Zealand from a government perspective where where we're looking at how we can help people and not only help them but give them help with dignity. Uh, That it's not a handout but it's part of the social fabric of New Zealand where we step out and do things differently. Um, And I don't know what that quite looks like but there's lots of buildings and government buildings that are empty, and and there's no reason to talk about building houses when we can turn those into flats in a very short period of time. So those things that uh, we need to look at. Um, There's been an exodus, as we're well aware, um, of a lot of city, uh, uh, Auckland and and other large cities where working online is now the new norm. So it's freed up quite a lot of real estate so why can't we now use that real estate for, for homes and housing? And maybe that's something that the government needs to take a look at.
0: OK, it's roll call time, everyone. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer and Vixen. Come on, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. And where's Rudolph? Rudolph! Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to laugh and sing Okay, guys, calm down. A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride. Soon my Mr. Right was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lent. Misfortune seemed our luck. We got into a drifting bank and then we kissed for luck. Jingle
2: Bells, honey. You mentioned Christmas, so we played Jingle Bells. Because it's nearly
3: Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, it's the 8th today. We're heading into the Christmas season. And obviously, uh, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells is one of those songs that everybody will hear over the Christmas period. Um, and, And it's a fun song. And I think that's something that we need to to enjoy over this period of time we need to um we've been all through a challenging year and and it's a good time now to just enjoy family friends and have fun and smile and realize that whatever is thrown at us we've come through it and whatever um, is coming down the line of this we will achieve and overcome and the christmas period is is about families it's about friends and it's about relationships and just cementing those and remembering the families that we can't get to our family members around the world due to travel um, and and just having them in our our thoughts and our prayers this year
2: I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time so we shall have to be quick what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years
3: business uh, wow oh. I've got to say that um, coming to work at the Polytechnic has been fantastic for me. Um, It's opened up lots of doors and avenues that I would never have dreamt of and continues to do that. So that's been a, a real impact for me and I've enjoyed it thoroughly.
2: We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that has got you into our mansion?
3: Superpowers. What superpower would I like? Oh, good one. <laughs> superpower. Well, uh, to make everybody smile—that would be a great one—to to enjoy their day and, and to smile and a free is, cup of coffee.
2: Is that something you already have? I think it's something you already have.
3: Oh well, yeah, I need to work on it. But uh, yeah, my kids would say differently. So.
2: <laughs> You've just. You've just moved house. You've just dragged the kids out to the country.
3: Yeah, we have. Yeah, we've just started a, a new adventure, um, brought a farm and uh, we're moving into looking after cattle. I've gone from uh, no animals to well, five or six or seven or eight. So I feel like Dr. Doodle at the moment. Um, I'm having to learn quickly. Yeah.
2: Do you consider yourself to be an activist?
3: Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I'm not on the front line a lot of the times. I'm behind the scenes. Um, I'm, I uh, have social activism at uh, top of my priority list or up there in the top five. I think uh, being there for other people is extremely important uh, and encouraging and lifting them up, um, whatever walk of life they come from and wherever they come from.
2: So what motivates you?
3: Uh, what motivates me I, I guess part of this travel bug has, has motivated me my faith has motivated me being in um, locations around the world over the last 40 years 50 years plus um, and, and having the just the people around me who supported me and loved me and um, going to these locations to meet incredible people that uh, have just changed my life basically
2: so what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so
3: challenge uh, getting through this dpp I'm, I'm on the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah working through uh, and, and um, just uh, I- enjoying the next 12 months that i've got sabbatical some time off um, to do some research so I'm, I'm looking forward to that
2: and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners
3: Yeah, we're coming into the Christmas period, so take time out. Uh, Do take time out with family and friends and and do rest up. Um, Enjoy the time, be reflective and and, um, think about next year, what plans and what things you would like to do. Um, There's always going to be challenges there and uh, take time out with family and and enjoy their company.
2: Thank you very much for that. We'll go out to another super tramp song the logical song hmm. that sounds like right for an engineer
3: yeah the logical song is as as you'll listen to the words it's very radical and, and you said uh, am i a radical person and i heard this when i was about 13 14 and and uh, it is a song that resonates very deeply for me uh in the words and what it says about how we can impact the world
2: Of conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We're broadcast each weekday afternoon at 3 on Otago Access Radio and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann at Otago Polytechnic Dunedin with Mike Mullins. We hope you enjoyed the show.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.